welcome to another episode of The Good Vanilla, a barefoot contested podcast where the chicken stock is homemade, store-bought is just fine, and the vanilla is always good. I am your host, Nick Kachanov, and you know, what better way to celebrate the arrival of the holiday season than getting tips and suggestions for brunch from Ina. That's what today's episode is all about. I love a good brunch. I never really thought, because I know I'm, gonna, I'm about to get into this in a little bit too, but uh, you know, tis the season of like friendsgivings and holiday gatherings, and a lot of times too, they're they they are evening events because you know a holiday party for work or just some sort of gathering with friends and family before you know Thanksgiving or between that time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and of course there's New Year's. Um, a lot of things to consider, but um, you know. Before we get into that, how is everyone? I myself am doing well. Keon's 40th birthday party went off without a hitch. Is that the phrase? Why does that sound wrong? It went well, is what I'm trying to say. Um, I did learn a lot about party planning. And because this was really, I didn't, I, I cannot take credit for planning the party myself. Like, him and I both sat down and, like, picked the menu and, uh, we, I think he actually ended up um, selecting the venue first because he had a holiday party with his job a couple years back at this venue, and he really liked it. So it it, would kind of, it was kind of a no brainer, but it's hard, y'all. Like I, as far as just like I had all the details down, but just like execution, it's like I learned a lot along the way. Should I ever have to plan another party by myself? But I definitely had help, like with decorating. And uh, just, you know, moral support from friends and family. It was great. Um, so I, we had a great time. And we, had the, like, the, the best part of everything is that we have leftovers, which is awesome. Because we ordered a lot of really great, it was all appetizers. So the thing that I was most glad to take home was the General So's, uh shrimp. That was a highlight for me. Um, we had uh, sliders as well, but they were Impossible Burger sliders. So all of our vegetarian friends were super excited and my dad was like flabbergasted that it wasn't meat because he is a huge carnivore um so it was kind of like a gotcha moment i was hoping my brother tried one because my brother is pretty picky when it comes to stuff and he doesn't i mean he eats a good amount of things but like he doesn't do the impossible burger you know he doesn't do that so i was hoping that he would have eaten one and i could have like said like fulja it's not meat but he didn't eat one and then I like accidentally ruined it so he he wasn't going to try one anyway after I told him which was sad but it ended up being quite the bash uh we had such a great time and everyone we loved was under one roof and it was it was a really great weekend we had leftover cake it was chocolate on chocolate which I do like I think I've I've railed about store-bought cakes in the past. Like, I'd rather have a homemade cake, like, any day of the week. But I was not about to make a homemade cake for 40 people. Um, but I just feel there's something about store-bought chocolate on chocolate that is just never what I want it to be, at least, like, in a chic cake form. So anyone in Pittsburgh, like, if you know, I mean, it's too late now, obviously, but I feel like, you know, in the future, is there, like, a chic cake place that's, um, you know, has a decent chocolate on chocolate cake? I don't know. These are the questions I ask myself. Um, anyway, uh, what else is what else is new? What do I have on my list? It's it's like a balmy 
66 degrees in Pittsburgh today, which makes me grumpy because, as I mentioned last week, I am ready for snow. I'm ready for gray, like wintry days and Christmas music, really. I, I just, um, you know, I really can't be stopped when it comes to Barefoot Contessa holiday episodes. I know I should like parse them out, as I said last week, so I could have some for like each year, but I just can't help myself. But um, I guess before we really dive into, you know, the true Christmas season, we must acknowledge Thanksgiving, of course, and, and as I mentioned previously, the, the Friendsgiving, which I feel like has been made popular. I don't know. I feel like Friendsgiving is something a little bit newer, and it can be whatever you want, really. Like, we have one um, this Saturday, my friend Nikki, um, who I've known since high school, she's, I think this might be like the fourth time we've done it, the fourth annual. And it's really great because it's one of the few times of the year that like all of us can actually, you know, we make room for it on our calendars, which I think is hard to do once you have, I mean, Keon and I don't have kids, but everyone else does. Um, so it's really great. And the Friendsgiving is no kids, which is awesome. So we get a little rowdy. We put on the Kelly Clarkson Christmas album and just, you know, go for it. Lots of wine. Um, But I think even this episode specifically, it would be nice to have a holiday brunch, I think. It's like maybe that's something that like Keon and I could start. I don't know. We want to have some sort of winter party. We, We toss the words winter social around. But that sounds too elegant and fancy, too. I don't want people to feel like they have to wear like, you know, to dress up. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But um. I guess we should get into it. This is um, this episode is Back to Basics, Season 17, Episode 7, Cook Like a Pro, Holiday Brunch, which is a mouthful, but uh, that's what it is. And Ina begins. She says, I'm celebrating the holidays with new ideas for a gorgeous seasonal brunch. First, I'm turning up the volume on eggs with an amazing pan of shakshuka with feta. It's a Middle Eastern-style baked eggs and the most delicious sauce. Then there are extra special make-ahead morning glory muffins, smoked salmon served in a really modern way on tartines with avocado and a mustard dill grablox sauce, and a fruit platter that's so fast and easy you won't believe it. Then, finally, I'm toasting the season with a spicy take on a classic Bloody Mary. Happy holidays! (laughs) Um, I like this menu. There are some things that I wouldn't normally try mainly the Bloody Mary, I'd say, um, but this is a good brunch menu. So let's get into some shakshuka because I think when Colin and I, when I had Colin on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, we were trying to remember the dish. Maybe there was a, he, we, we were talking about a dish that um, involved eggplant and I thought shakshuka had eggplant in it, but this one does not. I guess that doesn't really matter, but shakshuka uh, the dish originated in North Africa, with, but it's very popular in the Middle East as well. This is all what Ina's telling us, by the way. Um, and she's chopping up a... She starts with a small fennel bulb, about two cups of fennel. And she... I, I think it's just olive oil that she has in the, you know, the pan or the sort of... It's like a... It's not a pot, but it's not a pan. It's like one of those pans with like a two-inch side on... You know what I mean? I don't know what you would call that. Um... So she throws the fennel in, um, some yellow onion. She dices up an orange pepper, like a bell pepper. And then she says, now it's time for some spice. So she cuts, um, I think it's a poblano pepper down the middle and then takes out the core and the seeds to get rid of some of the heat. Then she says, then it's time for the really hot stuff, a quarter cup of jalapeno pepper, 
which um, I think is like just enough for me. I tend to be a little bit more of a weenie when it comes to hot stuff. I don't want to be, but I just like, I think if, I think you have to, have to like train yourself to eat really spicy stuff, but some people are just like born with it. I feel like, I don't know, there's nothing worse than going to like ordering Thai food or Indian food. And like, I just feel like depending on who's in the kitchen that day, you you don't, you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes I'll order a three. And I don't think I've ever ordered a three, to be honest. I think I typically order a two because you could always add more spice to it. I'd rather it not be spicy. And then like, especially if I'm at home, just to grab like some like crushed red pepper flakes and put that on. But sometimes I order a two and it feels like a six and it just like ruins my whole day. But, um, you know, first world problems here. Um, so she kind of sweats all of those ingredients out. Uh, she cooks those vegetables for about 10 minutes until they're tender. And then it's time for garlic. Lots of it, she says. Uh, and three cloves is all she adds. I feel like, I mean, that's a decent amount of garlic, but I don't know. I felt like lots of garlic would be like t- like 10 cloves or something. Um, but the colors in this dish are so great. It's like the orange pepper and the green of the jalapeno. It's just really like visually stimulating, I guess. Um, and it looks like the holidays a little bit too. And more on that later, because Ina has a line at the end of it. Uh, so she adds some paprika. I don't know if it was smoked paprika or not. I didn't write it down, but she then adds a can of diced tomatoes and then a half a cup of pureed tomatoes and then some salt and pepper. It looks great. She kind of lets that simmer away for 15 minutes. And then off the heat, this is the best part, she cracks each um, individual egg into a bowl and then sort of slides them into the shakshuka. There are six total eggs, and I uh, I like fully support this in every possible way. I think, like, I just love, and I love a fried egg on anything. Anytime I'm in the kitchen and it just needs, like, a little something else... I'm trying to think of like the strangest thing I've ever added an egg to, you know, like within reason, but I love an egg in anything. Um, So after the eggs are nestled into the shakshuka, she chops up some feta and sprinkles it around the dish as well. And then she puts it into the oven at 375. I wrote for 20 degrees for 20 minutes is what I meant to write uh, in order for the eggs to cook and the, uh, the feta to sort of break down a little bit. I feel like feta never gets like fully melted but it does get soft obviously um and she tells us that she's going to serve this with pita i think that's what i love best about it is that this is something that i guess if you're like at a circular table it works best too that everyone just grabs a piece of pita and then just like gets a pinch of this and just like goes to town i love that um so she finishes it off by sprinkling some parsley on it And she says, I'd say with all that red and green on there, it definitely looks like the holidays. And I would agree, Ina. It's uh, just exactly that. The red and green uh, is perfect. And I I do want to say this, too. I I got excited between, like, the commercial breaks, even though there are no commercials on Discovery Plus. God bless Discovery Plus. Um, It shows, like, the front of Ina's house, and it's like... Ugh, it's snowing. I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? To be, like, snuggled up at Ina's house... And just look at the snow. There's nothing better. There really isn't. Even in my own house, like I, I just love that. To me, feels like the holidays. Whether it's like, I mean, especially if you have the day off. If it's like a weekend, a Saturday morning, no plans. You might like stay in bed and drink some coffee and watch a movie. Ugh, that. How do you bottle that up? You know what I mean. Anyway, um, 
what's next? The Morning Glory Muffins, which sounds sexual to me. I don't know how to describe it, but anytime I hear the word Morning Glory, I don't know what it is. It just feels dirty. <laughs> I don't know why, because it clearly isn't. And it's actually named after the Morning Glory Cafe in Nantucket. So this is like, I guess their signature muffin. And Ina said she made, she's like, we made millions of these at the Barefoot Contessa. So I guess... I'm assuming Ina had permission. You know what I mean? I feel like she knew whoever the owner was. and uh, Or maybe, I don't know what the story is there. I'm just making stuff up. So let's get into the ingredients, which is, um, the, I mean, a lot of these aren't as exciting, but I'll, I'll blow through them pretty quickly here. So the wet ingredients is vegetable oil, three eggs, and two teaspoons of vanilla. She says we want it to have lots of flavor. And she gives that a whisk. And um, next is the... Two cups of grated carrots, and she says, I think she said to do it um, on like the, what am I saying, the handheld grater, the box grater, that's what I'm trying to say, because if you do it in, maybe it's the opposite way, she said, if you do it in the food processor, it gets a little bit wet, maybe you should do it in the food processor, ooh, I don't know, it's fine, <laughs> if anyone makes this recipe, I'm sure it's specified, whether it's in one of her books, or if you find it online, so, no biggie. Um. And then she adds eight ounces of crushed pineapple, some sweetened shredded coconut, some raisins. She does use regular raisins, which, um, you know, this is carrot cake, essentially. Like she says, she does say it's like having carrot cake for breakfast, but we'll allow it because it's muffins, right? But muffins are essentially cake, like in every, not every muffin. I mean, I guess like the boring brand muffins, but like. When you get like a blueberry muffin, it's essentially blueberry cake is what you're eating. And and muffins are, I mean, it kind of erases the fact. It does feel healthier in some ways, even though it's not. I don't know. I mean, I'll still eat them. This is all to say that um, a muffin is a cake in disguise, I guess. But I will still eat any muffin you put in front of me. Um, especially this one. It sounds awesome. So after the raisins, she puts in some uh, pecans. And then she, uh, I think the final thing she adds is a shredded Granny Smith apple that she shredded using the um, the box grater as well. I wrote the box cutter in my notes. <laughs> I just pictured like Ina shredding an apple with a box cutter. Um, anyway, next is the dry ingredients, which is flour, sugar, lots of cinnamon. And Ina says, don't the holidays call for lots of cinnamon? And she kind of smiles at the camera. And then baking soda and some salt. Very, you know very classic muffin ingredients. So um, she sifts that all together. And while she's sifting, she makes it known that we should not be trying to, um, to make anything odd for the holidays. She's like, some people, they just, they tend to overreach and they make oyster ice cream or calamari muffins. Blah. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. I wonder if she thought that off the top of her head or if someone wrote that for her because... Um, I don't think anyone in the world would ever make that, but, uh, you know, point taken. Don't do not do anything too risky. I really do think, I've said this before in the podcast, that one of my golden rules is to never, which is one of Ina's golden rules too, is to never make something for the first time for a party because if it goes wrong, then you just feel like shit the whole time. And people are like, no, it's really good, but you know it's not and everyone's just being polite and it can really affect the party. So um, always do a test recipe. Or test your recipes is what I'm trying to say. Um, 
she says, and, and I guess the, the, the last button on that conversation, she says, you know, just pick a recipe you know really well and make it for the people that you love. It's just that simple, which, you know, here, here, Ina, I, I totally agree. So while she's mixing this, she warns us not to overmix the, the muffin batter because it develops the gluten and you don't want tough muffins. And then she adds, I may be a tough muffin, but I don't want to eat a tough muffin. <laughs> she like laughs at herself, um, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, so she bakes them and puts them on a beautiful cake stand because it is the holidays. And that's that's kind of it. Um, there's not any like frosting. Obviously, it's like a muffin. Um, and more on them later, too. I think she brings them back for like the final picture. So next up is the smoked salmon tartines, uh, which is essentially like an open face sandwich. So she assembles the tartine. It doesn't require any cooking, she says, which she loves. And frankly, I would love to. Um, basically, she uh, she starts with a single slice of thin whole wheat bread, not toasted. And then she layers on some avocado slices, squeezes a little lemon juice on top of the avocado to prevent browning, and sprinkles a little salt and pepper on top of that. And then she puts a slice of smoked salmon. Salmon? Salmon. I was going to say sandwich and salmon at the same time. That's where my brain was there. Um, But she says she uses Norwegian or Scottish salmon. She's like, but of course, you could always use Atlantic. But for some reason... I think she said Atlantic is more moist. So I don't know if that's a plus or not, but, um, you know, it's Ina Garten's third choice, I'd say. So after she puts the salmon on top of the tartine, she tops it off with some Gravlax sauce, which is basically like mustard on mustard on mustard on mustard. So it's two tablespoons of Dijon mustard, one tablespoon of honey, honey mustard, a teaspoon of whole grain mustard, half a teaspoon of ground mustard whoa i mean i i do like mustard i will say actually i don't know if this is like we were where the hell were we we were at our friend patrick patrick and frank's house for you know some sort of weekend soiree and uh he had like four different types of mustard out and one of them um was coleman's mustard which i feel like is sold or like it's popular in the uk or at least that's what everyone was telling me and I, they said it's really strong, so if you're not into mustard, don't go for it. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to avoid that. And I, But then the, one of the mustards that I thought was the regular mustard turned out to be the Coleman's mustard. And it, as Ina would say, knocked my socks off. It really it was, it was a lot. I, I wasn't really a fan. No shade to the Coleman mustard lovers out there, but I, um, it was not for me. Um, so in addition to all of these mustard ingredients uh, for this Gravlax sauce. She slowly adds, oh no, no, she adds some sugar and then some white wine, white wine vinegar. And then she drizzles some olive oil and grapeseed oil until it's sort of emulsified and combined. And then she um, also chops up some fresh dill and I think a little sprinkle of salt. Why not? Uh, so then she's back to the tartine. She, uh, after she puts a little bit of the Gravlax sauce on, she puts the finishing touches on it, which is um, a few slins, a few thin slices of red onion, and then a few small fronds of dill, which it looks beautiful. Like this whole um, presentation, really. I I like the idea of this. I feel like it's really easy to assemble, and the sauce, although mustard heavy, 
I feel like it's balanced out with everything else that's in it too. So I, I would definitely eat this. The platter is beautiful. The colors, the yellow of the gravlock sauce, the salmon, the red onion, the avocado. It's just really, it looks like a million bucks. And I feel like people would just be like, wow. Um, but little do they know, it doesn't take any time at all. How easy is that? Uh, so what's next? It's time for the fruit platter. And this, I will say, um, I feel like Ina has mastered the fruit platter. I feel like she's done so many in her day. Um, so she, of course, starts with some fig leaves at the bottom, those huge, green, beautiful fig leaves. I feel like she has them in her backyard. Um, and then there's really not a lot of, I mean, she puts fruit, like me describing this isn't as exciting. She puts some honeydew, cantaloupe, pineapple, some big sprigs of mint in the middle, um, some halved fresh figs. Oh my God. I, I've been like so obsessed with figs lately. I, I can't remember what brand they are, but they have these like, um, uh, these fig bars that like they're blueberry fig and then there's a raspberry fig and then there's it's just like these two little almost like fig newtons and they're so good I mean I love fig newtons too like I used to roll my eyes at my grandma when she ate them when I was younger but I cannot get enough of fig newtons now I love the Trader Joe's their version of fig newtons and fresh figs forget about it they're so good like I think I mentioned this before but when we were in Italy uh, we were on the Amalfi Coast and Keon's parents who were, we were there for a wedding. So his whole family was there and they wanted to get fresh figs and they were like adamant that we had to have them. And I was like, all right. And then we had them and it was, oh my God, they were so good. I dream about those figs. So uh, yeah, figs. I love them. I feel like I've said it before in the podcast, but um, I just can't get enough. Uh, so in addition to all of that, she adds some raspberries and then some blueberries to sort of fill in the space of the platter and then she she ends it with a how easy is that and shows us the platter and it's it's beautiful um so next up is the most contentious you know thing on the menu at least for me the bloody mary i think we all know my opinion on bloody mary i i don't really love it i never like willingly ordered a bloody mary i think i've said before like i love everything that goes on top of the bloody mary like like a pickle or like a piece of shrimp or like a piece of bacon, like I love that. And maybe I just haven't had the right Bloody Mary, but this one seems like a very standard recipe. So she starts out by putting some celery into the food processor to puree it. And it's funny, every time I see celery, there's an episode of Portlandia. This is a deep cut, so I'm sorry I'm going here, but um, there's like this national council for, it's like a skit. Um, and for those of you who don't know Portlandia, it's very like a really silly, abstract show but it kind of is like SNL with like recurring characters and stuff like that um and it's Carrie Brownstein and Fred Armisen anyway um so one of the skits Steve Buscemi was guest starring and there's this national council for, for vegetables so like one person represents a vegetable and um you know like uh Brussels sprouts like they're like we've had such a great like um uh, a great couple of years people are eating brussels sprouts more than ever because you can really like brussels sprouts have come a long way like i feel like you can put bacon with them you can roast them you can put like balsamic vinegar on them and then like another person is like the kale representative and like kale is of course as ina would say since when did kale get a pr agent hmm um because they're you know everything's really popular the superfood craze <laughs> steve buscemi is in charge of celery and he's just like yeah well 
you know, really not a lot of uh, lot, not a lot of things going on with celery because celery sucks. It's like, what can you do with celery? And he like goes home and like loosens his tie and like throws it down. He's like, I'll never be kale. I'll never be Brussels sprouts. Celery. And it's like this whole thing. I love it. It just makes me um, makes me giggle every time I think of that. But it's true. What can you do with celery to make it cooler? It's just it's there to enhance other things, but it's never really going to be the main event. I think in the skit too, they t- they talk about like ants on a log, like the the peanut butter and like the celery with like the little raisins on top. But everyone like laughs at the vegetable council. Uh, it's a great skit if you can find it. Um, Portlandia, Steve Buscemi. I don't know what the skit is called, but uh, I'm sure you could find it. Maybe I'll post it in the episode show notes if I can find it. Um, so anyway, back to celery. She puts some into the food processor to puree it, and then she adds a tablespoon of horseradish, which, I mean, horseradish is no joke. My my dad, I don't think he's ever made it homemade, but my Uncle Bill, maybe my maybe both of them have, but it can, like, you have to wear, like, a gas mask when you make your own, uh, like, own horseradish because it will... Like, it'll, like, eviscerate anything it comes in contact with. Just, like, the smell of it. Like, I remember, I think my dad made it when I was, like, in high school or college. And it just, like, it stunk up the whole house. And it it is, like, the fumes are so sharp. And, like, it's, like, it's a lot. Anyway. Um, so, in addition to the horseradish, she adds some grated onion, some fresh lemon juice, uh, some Worcestershire sauce, and a teaspoon of celery salt as well. And then a few dashes of Tabasco. And she looks at the camera and says, do as much as you dare. And then lastly, some salt, just regular salt. And then she pours the celery, it's almost like a celery mash into the bottom of a big pitcher and then dumps an entire 46 ounce can of tomato juice in. And she says that you can serve them without vodka at this step. She's, you know, she says you can make a virgin mary and then she's ina says that a friend of hers calls um bloody mary's without vodka a bloody shame which took me a second to get and then i got it and i laughed because that's uh that's pretty clever i wonder who of her friends said that um next we of course she adds the two cups of vodka and she kind of eyeballs it it's like very sandra lee she's like pouring it and looks at the camera and she's like is that two cups maybe a little bit more and she's like it is the holidays (laughs) so i appreciated that very much um and then she's ready to assemble it uh so she of course gets the glass and the ice and then puts a celery stalk in it it's very simple. There's no, there are no frills to this. Like I said, it's I, I feel like it is a very standard um, Bloody Mary drink or mix rather. So uh, she puts it in or the celery stock in, and she's like, well, I'd say this looks like a party. Holiday brunch is about to be served. Come with me. And then she like then it's like a cut to uh, all the food that she made, you know, the uh, you know, the muffins and then the, the tartines and the. Uh, the fruit platter and then the Bloody Mary it's just all sort of in this like gorgeous spread on her counter and she says doesn't this look gorgeous I love a holiday brunch and then she says the best part is your friends come over they have brunch and they're out by three so you can hang out and watch movies in your pajamas happy holidays everyone (laughs) that's the end and then she's just like now get out of my house which I um you know I wholeheartedly uh support (laughs) 
<laughs> it was funny because at Keon's party, we we rented the space from like seven to eleven, and I am very well known for not having like any qualms about telling people to leave in like a very nice way. Like I do it in sort of like a funny, charming way. I, I don't say like get the hell out of my house, but sometimes I will, but I'll make it funny because at that point I've had some drinks, but it's also time to go. And you know, people linger and I felt bad for the people that were running the party. I'm like, they want to get home. They want to be able to clean up. So I had to like, I wish I just had like a Zamboni and could just like, or like a snowplow and just like plow everyone out of the room. But I totally get... I think that's why I really love a brunch, too, is because you you can leave and you have a good amount of the day um, still ahead of you to relax and just, you know, snuggle up. So, indeed, happy holidays, everyone. Um, Happy holiday season. And I think that's all I have for this episode. So thank you again for listening. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can follow it on Instagram and Twitter at goodvanillapod. And you can also send me an email at goodvanillapod at gmail.com. Also, I made a group for The Good Vanilla on Facebook. Very easy to find. Just search The Good Vanilla. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a star rating and review, or just tell another Barefoot Contessa fanatic. That also works, too. And if you want to know where to get more of me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kuchanov. And you can find me on my other podcast, The Best Supporting Podcast, every week with Colin Drucker. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe, happy holidays, and I'll see you next time.